good. Like the waveform. Welcome to the Significant Strike Podcast, another part two episode. This one for the UFC Vegas 27. We put out the part one episode last night with a couple um, good lines we didn't want people to miss, so we tried to get it out a little bit early. And now we're yeah. going to follow up with our thoughts on the rest of the card, which is a strange card. Um, Val, why don't you give a quick, just recap of how we did last week, which wasn't great, but just in well, case people that didn't listen to part one, just right. a quick one. All right, so yeah, so last week we didn't do great. I mean, we lost uh, Grundy, Jacare in brutal fashion, and got too cute with the Lee decision bet, lost point five there, but one on Lee straight up, one on Cachoeira as a big dog. And lost the one unit prop bet for Oliveira by submission. So we were two and four, including that little prop bet, which I've considered making a separate, uh, record for prop bets so we can distinguish straight up versus these long shot props. So I've played these point one unit, point two five units a couple times. Anyway, I digress. Two and four for minus seven point two point, no, not minus seven, minus point seven two five units. And now we're at a total of four point five five six units through six weeks. All right, so um, just to let people know up front, we're gonna we're gonna talk about a bunch of these fights tonight, but this is not a great card for betting in my eyes or in yours either, as I'm sure you'll yeah. explain. And uh, we'll talk about the fights and maybe give some leans and some smell test ideas. But uh, this is a very yeah. weird card. Uh, where do you want to kick off? Well, I just want to say it is a yeah. So I thought there was value at first in a couple of plays, but like the more I dug into them, the less I saw. Um, I'll get into those in a bit. Um, but so, so we should start off actually by tracking at our uh, our Felicia Spencer uh, bet while we grab the early line at. I believe we got minus one forty, minus one forty two. Yeah, I think one forty two was wh- where it was at. Yeah. So and now it's at. I mean, the best you can get is minus one sixty three. At Betway, minus 165 on Sportsbook, 164, Bet365, and then it's up to on, like, Bet Online and Bookmaker, up to minus 190. So, yeah, I mean, we, we definitely captured that odds by, t- we got ahead by 20 to 50 cents, depending on what book yeah, you have. Yeah, I see, I see minus 175 on, uh, five dimes. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and that's good. And, um, yeah, so that and David Dvorak, we're our best. We have two units on Spencer and one on Dvorak. In case you should check out part one to see our breakdowns of it. But let's, uh, I, I guess let's dive in with the start of the card. Um, which is, uh, David, Demir Ismagulov, who a lot of people, myself included, are really high on, uh, versus Rafael Alves, Alves, who trains with, uh, Colby Covington yeah, at the same gym and all. Um, MMA Masters. He got, he, he will be making his UFC debut after Three canceled bouts, including this one, which is supposed to be last week originally. He's infamous for missing weight by the largest margin in UFC history back in February against Pat Sabatini. He missed by 11.5 pounds, just beating out 
Rumble Johnson's 11 pound miss when mm-hmm. he fought at a welterweight back in the day, but so he missed the weight class yeah, above him. If you if you miss by over 10 pounds, it's almost like you don't even care. Yeah, but so okay, so there's a new development this week. Originally, he gave the excuse of I ate uh, bad salmon the night before, and so I was puking. Blah blah blah. I had to hydrate, and I couldn't dehydrate. Um, and everyone's like, yeah, that's that's probably bullshit, but no one knew the real reason. Until this week, it comes out, and it's actually a good reason. He's, I mean, it's a, it's a sad reason, but it, it's one that makes sense, and it makes sense as to why Dana didn't cut him. Um, he his wife had a miscarriage just days before, and she didn't want to tell him because she wanted him to focus on the fight. But uh, his sister ended up telling him, and so he was still trying to fight, but he realized his head wasn't in. He was devastated over this miscarriage. It was like halfway through her pregnancy. Oh, um, dude, and, um, uh, yeah, so he, he said he, he just intentionally, he was cutting and then he intentionally gained it back so he would miss and he did it by such an egregious amount that the opponent couldn't possibly accept uh, 20% of the uh, purse and still fight. Um, so yeah, I mean, at first he was a meme, but now, I mean, like, best wishes to him. Although, right, dude, I do think, yeah, sorry. Well, yeah, well, I was gonna say, um, personal side note, uh, you know I have a gaggle of kids, but, uh, there, there was yeah. one along the way where my wife and I did have a miscarriage, and uh, I can tell you it's, oh, yeah. it's crushing, dude. It's very yeah. devastating, so my heart goes out to him for that. Yeah, my my mom is, uh, has told me about that. But enough about that. So the fight, I mean, Rafael Alves is decent. He has he has some good BJJ, but Demiris Mugulov is just a whole other beast. I mean, he beat... He's three and zero in the UFC, nineteen and uh, twenty two and one overall. But he beat Thiago Moises in his last outing in twenty nineteen. He didn't fight in twenty twenty because of COVID. Um, but Thiago, Mo- I mean Thiago Moises is now ranked fifteen because he's at, in lightweight because he's the only guy other than Rafael Fazeev who said yes to fight Islam Makhachev, and so he's fighting Islam. Um, so they ranked him just so they can say Islam beat a ranked opponent. But Thiago Moises is good. It's not like I don't think he should be ranked. I think it should be Fazeev, but. Moises is good. He's a good striker. He has really good BJJ. Ms. Magulov convincingly beat him. This guy, he's good everywhere. Good striking, good wrestling. Yeah, I mean, six, the six, minus 650 odds are justified. Honestly. Yeah, Ms. Magulov's on a, like, 14-fight win streak. And, you know, he's only yeah. had he's only had 20 pro fights with one loss, so... Yeah, I mean, his one loss was in his sixth UFC fight. Or, not UFC, sixth uh, pro fight. Right. Which, yeah. I mean, and he's he's 30 now, so uh, he, he has a bright career ahead of him. But, yeah, so let's skip ahead a little bit. Uh, well, no, no. I just want to talk about Yancey versus Demir. The other Demir, two Demirs on this card. Yancey... Medeiros and Demir Hadzovic. That's a fun fight, a really fun fight. They're both the Bosnian good strikers. Yeah, I mean, Yancey. What? Uh, Demir uh, Hadzovic is the Bosnian bomber. Yeah. <laughs> there's lame there's nicknames Yancey. all over this fight. I've been laughing yeah. about it. I mean, Yancey is most well-known for his fight versus Cowboy Oliveira, which he won. That was his last win, incidentally, but it was one of the best fights ever. I mean, like, top 20, 25 ever. Um, but that was the last win in 2017. He's only fought once a year since then, but he's lost each of them, but took good names. I mean, Cerrone, before he fell off the cliff, round one got KO'd in the first round. Gregor Gillespie dominated him from bell to bell to bell to bell and finished him at the end of round two, one second left. 
and he lost the unanimous decision to land on before Venata dropped down to featherweight. We saw him last week. Um, so I mean, I, had, I think Yancey is a sharper striker, but he, he's getting up there and he's not putting out, like, he's capable of more than we've seen from him, I think. He, like, um, he, well, he, could, he, I think he was capable of beating Lando, but he wasn't on his game as, as much as I think he could be. Maybe he's just fallen off a little, but yeah. He had some, he had some, uh, flashes uh, where he looked like a real prospect. I mean, like, a yeah. He be, beat Oliveira and he beat Silva, you know what I mean? TKO'd both of them. You yeah. Know, um, he, he beat John McDessie. Yeah, he beat McDessie. Right. You David know, Jackson he, in 2014, but. I mean, and his losses aren't bad. I, he he. Well, he beat Eve Edwards, but that was re- overturned to no contest because of he was smoking weed. So, but so I mean, he really did beat Eve Edwards because weed, whatever. Um, but his losses: Kabalov, Jim Miller, Dustin Poirier, Trinaldo, Cerrone, Gillespie, and Venata. I mean, Venata is the only less than great name. Right. On all that the rest, list. All the rest I of mean, those are um, thoroughbreds. Yeah. I mean. Ronaldo's like the prospect destroyer, and we're going to see him soon, actually, next next month. Uh, Havilov is one of the most underrated lightweights, one of those great Russian or Dagestani dudes. Um, and then, obviously, the rest are just absolute legends. And, and Esther Gillespie, who's on a tear right now, rising up through the ranks. So I, I, I lean Yancey here, but it's just, no, I mean, like, it's it was I was close to pulling the trigger, but it's not enough. I mean, I, mean, I think this should be a banger of a fight. And and Demir isn't going out and losing to bad opposition either. His last loss was to Moicano, who I mean it was a forty four second rear naked choke, but Moicano has really slick really, really slick BJJ and it was good Muay Thai too, I mean. And then Christos Giagos unanimous before that and before that his last win in twenty nineteen was against Mar- Polo Reyes, who good fighter. He beat Marcin Held. I mean, yeah, he has some good wins, and he also boy, dude. doesn't he- have bad losses. He also Taisumov, who's another Dagestani, that's really underrated. Uh, at lightweight, Alan Patrick, not bad. And then Giagos and Moicano. Uh, yeah, I mean, Giagos isn't great or anything, but I think he's also underrated. He got a performance bonus last week for a great Darce Choke, and then Moicano's great BJJ. This, this is just a fun fight. Be on the lookout for a banger there. Yeah, so your lean here um, would be Yancey, which might Yeah, uh, leaning right. Yancey. Mine would be too, and that's, that's the dog in this fight, so. Uh, yeah. If people are looking for leans, which we don't necessarily do, but that might be um, one. No, so originally, like, oh, no, Yancey is a dog. What? Yeah. Originally, he was, like, minus 120, I thought. Now, one second, let me check the line movement on this. Yeah, he started at minus 125. Now he's plus 105. That's right. interesting. I might, oh, if that moves more, <laughs> I might have to, we might have to put out a part three if that moves right. more. Right, yeah, because the way that's, I want it to. that's not bad. That, that, yeah, yeah, that's interesting. I, yeah, last I saw he was like minus 105, something like that. Alright, um, so yeah, moving on, we have, so we're skipping ahead a little bit past these prospects that we've never heard of really. Claudio Silva versus Court McGee, and this is another oh, one. I'm interested in this fight. Yeah, I mean, you probably like Court, right? No, actually I don't. You don't. No. You like Claudio? I mean, yeah. I, 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 I was thinking, cause you, you, I, I know you're the guys you like in, and Court McGee's one of those older guys who yeah, I thought he, would he, be a guy you like. I do like him, but this fight, I've, I've been checking it out, and, uh, this is one of the fights on this card I studied a lot, mm-hmm. and I just think Claudio's the guy here. I just really yeah, do. Yeah, so, 
his BJJ is amazing. Like, like amazing, amazing. Like, like, you know, like, uh, placing in world BJJ tournaments amazing, which he has done. Um, but his, his, the only thing that kept me from pulling the trigger here was his striking defense, which is only 43%. It's not like Court McGee's an amazing striker, but he can strike. And, you know? he, I mean, and he's one of those wrestlers that has that power. You know what I mean? His yeah, strikes yeah, carry some, exactly. carry some beef behind him. I mean, so Claudio Silva only has two losses, one in his first pro fight and one in his last pro fight against James Krause, which James Krause was tuning him up for a bit, but as the fight went on, he started to come into his own. And so he, he's just a really awkward striker, you know? Yeah. Um, but, and, and that defense is awful. Like if his, if his striking defense was better, I would have pulled the trigger, especially cause he's, he's, uh, he's a, uh, minus money underdog. Oh, not any, yeah. Oh, he's even plus 103. Dang. On better online. Last I saw, he was like minus 105. If that yeah, that's moving, what I got him I at is, uh, minus 105. Too. Yeah, so I, I I want I really wanted to when I when I saw this pop up I was like Quartz on a terrible run but like the names he's losing to Ponzinibbio Saunders Strickland Diego Lima Sean Brady Carlos Condit those aren't right. bad losses but his wins no. aren't that great right. either and he's getting up there in ages and one thing I have to point out is this is I'm just this is what something that Numbers MMA pointed out in his latest newsletter. Is that Carlos Condit has some of the worst takedown defense in UFC history, like 38% low. That it's horrible. He has the most takedowns allowed in UFC history. I think numbers of MMA said. Um, in court, he's a wrestler, and he didn't shoot on Carlos Condit once. He like, struck with him, and Carlos Condit's a dangerous striker, even at right. this age. And, uh, and Condit just picked him apart. Right, and this violently. is this is the one thing I'll say about that fight too is. You know I love Carlos Condit. I think in his prime, yeah. he you know he was the natural born killer. I love that guy. Yeah. But Court McGee fought a lesser version of Carlos Condit and still lost. You know, what yeah. I mean, I, uh, he didn't lost. It wasn't close. Like, yeah, like he wasn't. He didn't get finished. He hasn't been finished since Ponzinibbio in uh, 2016. In his last, uh, I mean, he's on a seven out of ten losing streak, but he hasn't. Got finished since Ponzinibbio no. in uh, 2016, and he has a win over Whitaker back in 2013. But that back in 2013, he's not that guy anymore. He's older, he's slower. He has a 19 and 10 record now. Claudio Silva, I mean, Claudio Silva is also about that same age, but he doesn't look to be slowing down, especially because he doesn't rely as much on speed and striking. I mean, Cormier's a wrestler slash striker. Uh, Claudio Silva's a wrestler slash jujitsu guy. I mean, Claudio Silva has a win over Leon Edwards, which has aged great. It wasn't Leon Edwards' debut. It's not the Leon Edwards we know today, but he still was a really highly touted prospect. And then Nordin Taleb. That's Nordin what Taleb I was going to Nordin Taleb, he's, he's a that decent a, fighter. And he got him out in round one. I mean, he had three straight submissions, but it, one of the issues was because of injuries and personal... I mean, this dude has a crazy personal life. Like, he's, he, he was involved in you know, gangs and drugs and stuff in Brazil growing up, and he's one of those guys. I mean, Court McGee is too. Court McGee was a uh, an addict for a long time, and now he's stays so far away from the stuff that he won't even uh, take uh, painkillers when he has surgery. Yeah, he, Claudio Silva just leads a crazy life. I recommend looking. There's some cool videos on Full Reptiles page about the crazy way Claudio Silva goes about life. 
you were right about uh, uh, why you would think I would have wanted Court McGee in this fight because he yeah. he's my kind of fighter and I love his story. But I it, do if too. I, yeah, story. If, if I'm just be you know if I'm being true to the game, Silva looks like the guy in this one. Yeah, I think I, I I'm just worried about if it, I think Claudio probably can get him down and finish it, but like the edge isn't enough for me. I mean, I feel like I'm like at sixty ish percent for uh for for Claudio Silva and I mean if this line keeps moving that'll be enough he to, moved, to have a one unit bet on he he's, moved, plus, he's plus 103 now yeah he but moved it's still up. not quite enough it's only about a 10 percent edge I want to see like 11 12 up there the the five dimes line has him at opening at minus 185 and he's up to minus 105 now yeah yeah, I mean, better line opened at minus 150, got to minus 185, now plus 103, which is the best odds out there. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, maybe we'll put that, out, that uh, I'll put out, I mean, keep an, if, if we don't put out a part three episode to give out just a short play, I mean, keep an eye on Twitter or the Spotify Discord server. I, like, if this line keeps moving, I may give it out as a play. Yeah, so just it, be aware of that. I mean, his his jujitsu is just world class, absolutely world class. He's if, one of the best in UFC. If the money makes a move to like plus one ten, then I would tell people to jump yeah. all over it at that point. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I mean, let's see. Let, I'm gonna look at props. I mean, what's his submission prop? Um, shoot, one sec. Silva. Silva wins by submission plus four ten. What is it? So Silva wins by decision is plus two fifty three. By by submission is plus four ten. That's 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 pretty high. Um, I don't I don't want to make anything on the spur of the moment, so I'm still not going to play it. But I'm going to go back to the drawing board and have we, a closer look at this one now that do, I see that submission prop. We might have to do a part three tomorrow. As, we might, yeah, yeah, as these lines move a little more. We, yeah, we'll just jump props. in and say, hey, this is what we yeah. think. And there's props like the, you know, like there's some props like round two to start that I'm looking at, round two, round three to start for the main event. Um, just just all kinds of props I'm looking at that aren't fully out yet. I mean, I'm, there's some uh, minus 3.5 bets that I might, or plus 3.5 bets that I might be interested in that aren't out yet. So, we, yeah, I, I'm thinking we might have to make a part three depending on those odds. But for now, we'll just... Say that and move on. Um, what's up next? So, okay, I mean, we'll just talk about this briefly. Ben Rothwell versus Chris Barnett. You and me already talked about it before the show. Uh, like, this, too bad the line is where it is. Ben Rothwell's minus 350, and you can't count on a method of victory for him because he wins by decision, submission, and knockout. But he's fighting Chris Barnett, making his UFC debut, and Chris Barnett is just a crazy dude. He's 5'9". He has crazy taekwondo, does all kinds of spinning and like rolling thunder, uh, stuff. I mean, you, you should watch him. He, he's great fun to watch. It was great that they yeah, called him up for this very Ben Rothwell. Watch, yeah. Ben Rothwell had like three opponent Philip Linz. Um, but yeah, I forget who the other ones were that fell out, but they were like three opponents that they tried to book for Rothwell and they just kept falling out. Let's see. Yeah. Philip Linz and Askar Mazarov, that name. Um, but yeah, I mean, Rothwell's a good fighter. I mean, he's obviously not on the greatest streak. He's on two wins, four losses in his last six. And he's on the um, downs. But those, those are, 
those were against good competition. I mean, he beat OSP by split decision, beat Struve by KO, lost to Tybora, Arlovsky, Ivanov, and JDS. And that was in 2016 when JDS right. was, was JDS, right. followed by decision. And Rothwell, we got to be honest, he's 39. He's on the downside of his yeah. career. You know what I mean? But he, yeah. he was one but, of those guys that I always thought... You know, I mean, he was just always knocking on the door his whole yeah. career. I think he's a great fighter, and it's worth mentioning that he's probably one of the uh, just, like, best, you know, coolest, like, down-to-earth, real dudes in all of the UFC. I mean, Ben yeah. Rothwell is a good dude. Yeah, and I mean, he has wins over title challengers, and, like, he, he has wins over... Uh, Brendan Schaub, Overeem, Matt Mitrione, Josh Barnett, yeah. Struve, and OSP and throughout his career. And yeah, his losses and are to similar, you know, like Steve Velasquez, Hunt, uh, JDS, like I said. But Right, and those are guys, deep, uh, those are guys like uh, definitely wins. Those are guys, you know, like a, you know, uh, Mitrione, Overeem, Barnett, yeah, uh, uh, Brendan Varen is prime, had a little bit, but I mean, those, at that time that he fought them, those guys were killers, all of them. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, uh, just, on Chris Barnett, though, everyone has to look up, it's in, what is it, what's the promotion? UAE Warriors. Look up, I mean, just look up his last fight, it only lasted a minute, and he did some, Crazy break dancing, which he shouldn't be able to do. He's five nine, and he's a heavyweight. I mean, he fights a super heavyweight in other promotions, which doesn't exist in the UFC. He's a big, big boy. He's five. He's five nine, and he's so. Yeah. I mean, it's just he's so much bigger because he's five nine. If he was weighed what he does, and he was like six four, like a regular heavyweight, he wouldn't be this big. But he's Really big. Yeah, his like, his weight is lifted. His weight is lifted on Sure Dog at two eighty seven. <laughs> yeah, because they can fight at that in some promotions. Right. But yeah, I mean, at, at that size and being able to do this, the spinning kicks he does, and and the the way he did uh, that last celebration after his last fight, everyone should check that out. This, this is a fun fight. I wasn't too hyped for Linz, but I, I'm like, excited to see Barnett, even though I know he's gonna yeah. Lose. Now, and, All right. and, well, and like we said, we'll just tell everyone we talked about it beforehand. I, I don't think there's any way Rothwell loses this fight, but I'm just not the type of person that will bet $34 to make yeah. 10. I'm just not. Yeah, I mean, and it's heavyweight. Like, it's heavyweight. Anything right, right. can happen. Anything can happen so heavyweight. That, especially at heavyweight, I'm not laying the deuce on minus 350. I mean, there are things that could convince me to do that, but it's not this fight. Definitely not this fight. Not any heavyweight fight, honestly. All right, uh, on to the next, which is a fight I've been looking forward to for a long time. It was canceled a month ago. Ricardo Hamos versus Bill Algio. And Bill Algio is one of my favorite new guys in the UFC. He fought twice in 2020. And he took, he, one of the most underrated fights of the year was his three-rounder versus Ricardo Lamas um, in August. That was just... That was a great fight that went completely under the radar, I feel like. I mean, he, he, I won't say he arguably beat Lamas because I think Lamas did win the first two rounds, but the first round was very, very close and he definitely won that third round. Um, he's fun, man. He is fun. He, he's a really good kicker. He, he, he thinks he's 
Izzy or Wonder Boy, the way he holds his hands, you know, super low and bounces yeah. around. Um, and he's six foot tall, which for a featherweight, that's huge. I mean, this is a featherweight because last one was featherweight. I mean, I assume this is a fe- yeah, it's at one forty five. Yeah, one forty five. He's he's like he's like the Luis Pena of featherweight, except for he's actually good. Um, and and he he so that that was a really fun fight against Lamas. Everyone should watch that. And then he beat Spike Carlisle relatively easily in his last fight, which is what everyone should do. If if you're coming up and you're supposed to be good, you should be beating Spike Carlisle. He's like a lower-end gatekeeper at this point. Um, I mean, or he's developing into that. I mean, he's not had that many fights to really be a gatekeeper, but you should be beating right. Spike Carlisle yeah. if you're any good. Or if you're supposed coming he, up and supposed to be He's not any, any guy that's got noise behind him like, yeah. hey, he's one to watch. Yeah, but Ricardo Ramos is, I mean, he's weird, man. He's weird. So he has winning, uh, win by spinning back elbow, and that's kind of epitomizes what he, like, he, he'll do this thing. I, I don't, there's no word for it in MMA, because it's not a technique. It's, he throws this kick, you saw it in his last fight, that does nothing. It's, in soccer, it's called a rabona, where you take your back leg and you kick behind your front leg, to kick the ball like around your opponent, it's it's a hard one to pull off. But he was doing that to Leron Mof- Murphy, who's a really good fighter in his last fight, which he lost. Uh, and it's like, why? There's it puts you off balance. There's no reward because your leg, your back leg can't extend that far beyond your front leg. So you're you're only getting like a foot beyond your right. front leg. It's just trying to and look you're flashy. not. And if you do hit, <laughs> if you somehow hit your opponent, it's not going to hurt them because the power is taken away by the way you have to do it. I mean, look up Rabona. You'll see what I'm talking about if you don't understand from that. Well, I mean, he is a good fighter. He he has... His only losses are to Saeed Nurmagomedov, who's, uh, a real, I mean, he, who's of the, obviously of the Nurmagomedov clan, who is a really good striker. And then of Leon Murphy, who's a prospect I really like. Right, and he, um, beat, he beats... He's undefeated. He beats Zahabi, which is a good win. Yeah, yeah Zahabi's a good win. Jerry Newsom's not bad. Gargory, first-round finish. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, I lean Aljo in this one, but that might be my bias showing. But I think, I mean, it's a pretty fifty-fifty fight, like the technique for technique. Uh, I'll, I'll, I forgot to mention Aljo is a black belt in jiu-jitsu. Um, but uh, Ramos is a team alpha male guy, so he's obviously got a well-developed ground game. Yeah, he's got. I mean, he has he has submissions on his record too. Yeah, it's just, he may not be BJJ black belt, but if he's alpha male, yeah. then he's got uh, you know, tons of yeah. great grappling coaches and sparring yeah. partners. Uh, I think I think it's going to be more of a kickboxing match, though. Just these guys do like to strike, although they both can grapple and wrestle. Uh, should and that's a fun like it's a low key bang. It could be fight of the night. Yeah. It's similar to the Hads Hads. Had Zerov- Demir versus Demir versus Yancy Madero's oh. fight, and that it's a low key banger. Could this, be fight of the night. This is yeah. This could be a very good fight, and this is a uh, we've talked about it before, especially when they travel, like uh, when UFC goes out of country or whatever. Then uh, there'll be tons of guys from the same team, but since yeah. since Garbrandt is headlining this card, it it, it only makes sense that there's alpha yeah. male dudes on of course. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, interesting, there's no guys, I don't think there's any guys from Fonscamp, either New England or whatever. Um, 
So yeah, on I mean that's that was the first that's the first fight of the main card or no no Jack Hermanson and Edmund that's last I mean, featured prelim Jack Hermanson and Edmund Shabazian I'm is very the excited up for the about main this card. fight. Me too. It's so it's interesting. I flip flopped like there was points when I wanted to bet both of these guys, which when you when that happens, it's a sign to probably not bet either. So these guys are both good, like no doubt about that. But last year, until last year, they were very overrated. Hermanson. Is good. He has some of the best ground and pound. He's really athletic, but he he's not a good. He's a volume pressure striker, but not even as good as one like Vittori, which we saw is why he's not overrated anymore. Because Vittori pieced him up and even knocked him down, which Vittori never had a UFC knockdown until that. And Edmund Shabazian was on a streak of knocking everyone out in the first round until Derek Brunson, I mean Brunson, him. Yeah, yeah. Like you almost. I mean, it's almost like you can't. um, You can't hold that against him because he got Brunson. Yeah, except for the thing is, it showed his weakness, which is cardio. I mean, and and being taken down and ground and pounded. I mean, he's he has he's not like Kevin Holland where he can be taken down with relative ease. He doesn't have any wrestling basics, but. He, he did get taken down four out of eight times in that fight by Brunson, though he's only been taken down one time in the UFC before that, I think by Darren Stewart, and the only fight he went to a decision in in his whole career. Um, but yeah, he, his, his cardio was awful. He, like, halfway through the second round, he was gassed, and he had no chance, and he was like a minus 400 favorite. I mean, I bet on Brunson just because the odds were so large in that fight. And Brunson got him out of their early third round at where it was at the point where Edmund just couldn't, like, even protect himself. He was so gassed. But, I mean, he's a really good striker, even though he's training with Edmund Trevardi and the head movement, head movement guy, the <laughs> coach who got Ronda Rousey knocked out twice in a row yep. by making her think she could box with, like, uh, Floyd Mayweather. Um, yeah, I mean, Edmund can improve. Is taking on the fence in his cardio, but like I can't bet. Even though he's a dog, I can't bet on him improving. I can only bet on what I've seen. But he's a much, much better striker than Jack Hermanson. There's a very real chance he gets Jack out of there in the first two rounds. So that made me want to bet on him. But then the blueprint, but the uh, Brunson put the blueprint out there, and Jack is capable of following that blueprint if he doesn't get hurt badly on the feet early. I mean, like Edmund has a win, a first round knockout over Brad Tavares. That was really impressive. He looked, he looked like a world beater in that fight, but it's only it's because it only went two minutes and twenty seven seconds. Yeah. I mean, all of his first round knockout, first round knockout, first round knockouts, but one split decision, and then all first round knockouts until Brunson, and handed him his first loss of his career. Yeah. Um. The thing is, and this is why this is another hard fight. Um. Because I agree with everything you've said, but Hermanson, I mean, his last, like, what, 7-8 record fight, you know, he lost yeah. to Vittori, which isn't a bad loss. He lost to Cannoneer, no. which isn't a bad loss. But he's beat Gastelum, Jacare, Musharet, uh, Thalas Lytus, you know what I mean? He's, yeah. He, he's got some real yeah. legit wins on his record. Yeah, since, I mean, since 2017, I mean, his first... Uh, lost in the UFC in his second fight was to Cesar Fajera, which that's not a bad loss. I mean, when you're new to the UFC, especially his second was Tiago Santos, and that's when he started fighting a really high level of competition. But Tiago Santos just brutalized him and knocked him out. Um, yeah, then won a four fight win streak, then lost to Cannoneer, 
which that was that's an interesting fight, and that like that fight makes me think, oh yeah, Edmund could do this to him, but but Jack Cannonier is a more complete fighter than Edmund. Yeah, has actual cardio, but Jared Cannonier is if Jared I mean Jared Cannonier has superpower, but Edmund has yeah. really good precision, really good kicks. I mean his kicks are off are out of this world. You knock out Tavares with a head kick, um, and. It's worth that that uh, Gastelum. So Souza was towards the end, you know, like that was two fights before the uh, Holland loss, which I still don't think Jacare is as washed as people he is, but he is obviously way over the hill. Yeah. Um, and then Gastelum, like it, it's it's a submission win in the first round. I'm not going to call it complete luck, but I don't think Jack Hermanson is a better fighter than Calvin Gastelum. Gastelum got caught in a heel hook when he was standing up and. Couldn't get out of it. I mean, it was, it's on him. It's a mistake he made, but I still think Hermanson was overrated at the time. Now he's probably rated about right, which is, you know, a good athletic volume pressure fighter with good wrestling and great, great ground and pound. So he absolutely can put Edmund out, but Edmund can also put him out. Or it could go to a decision where Edmund's getting, like, does well for the first round and a half and then gets beat bad for the last round and a half, and it's a close decision. Who knows? Yeah, this then, fight is all over the place. Yeah, I, I'm excited to see this fight, Me but too. where the odds are, there's, I, I don't see any value. You know what yeah. I mean? Because uh, this could go either way. If either yeah. one of them wins, I wouldn't go, oh, I didn't see that coming. Nope. Exactly. All right. So we already did the next two fights, Dvorak versus Paiva and Spencer versus Dumont on our part one episode. Then uh, there's a heavyweight battle, which I don't really have any interest in talking about because they're, they're not very good. Justin Taffa versus Jared Vander. I mean, Taffa had a fun fight in his last fight against Felipe. Um, but Vander got smashed by Sergei Spivak. But Spivak is... Taffa's way, uh, way worse than Spivak. Um, it's just... I, I think Taffa probably knocks him out, but it could also not go that way. I, I just don't see anything here. I mean, there, Jared Vanderhoff, there's just not enough of him out there to know what he's actually capable of. And I mean, same with Top. Top only has six pro fights, and we haven't seen him on the ground at all, which supposedly Vanderhoff is good on the ground. He didn't look it last time, but I've, I've heard that he has ground skills. Uh, I haven't seen him, so can't go off <laughs> what I haven't seen. I've only seen three of his fights, and he lost two of them, so... The rest were on really, really small local, like he fought in LFA, Contender Series, and then UFC. Yeah, he's got, um, he's got one legit UFC fight, one Contender Series fight, and then the rest is regional. Yeah. So, yeah, on to the co-main and main, which the co-main is one, another one there I was like, oh, I want to pull the trigger, I want to pull the trigger. But, like, because I think Yan Xiaonan is re- capable of a lot. She is a really, really good striker. Like, so there, there's obviously tears at... At Strawway, the first tier is Zhang Weili, Joanna, and um, my girl Rose Nama Yunus. That's the first tier, all really good strikers. And then there's a second tier, which right now is just Yan Xiaonan as far as striking anyway. But she can, be, I mean, she has okay wrestling of her own, but she can be wrestled herself, which, like, if that last Claudia Gadelia fight didn't happen, or just the first round of that fight didn't happen... I'd be all over Yan Xiaonan at these odds. I mean, she, the odds were, like, Yan Xiaonan was like a minus 195 favorite at Open, 
which I would have been on Asparza there because Asparza's wrestler. We know what Asparza is. She's a good wrestler. She's progressed over the years. I mean, she was the first strawweight champion, though she got exposed she pretty quickly by Joanna beating the crap out of her, one of the worst beatings ever. Um, but she's just evolved. I mean, her striking is still bad, but it's not as bad as it was. And she's setting up her takedowns better, and she's winning over good composition. Though our last main event, Marie, our last fight night main event, Marina Rodriguez and Michelle Waterson, she beat both of them in 2020, although both were split decisions. Um, and then before that, Alexa Grasso is a great boxer, as good BJJ, though I thought that could have been a Grasso win. Uh, th- these are close, close fights she's getting into. But... The problem is Claudia Gadelia exposed, not even exposed, like she did, she, Claudia Gadelia still lost that fight. I mean, clearly she won the first round and lost the second two, even though maybe she could have lost the first round because she took Yan Xianan down for a good portions of it twice and held her down for good portions of it. But when they were there and in the clinch, which Claudia Gadelia was able to hold her there in the clinch for a long portion, those are my worries that she'll be taken down by Sparza, who's a better wrestler than Gadelia. But Shannon was kneeing her, throwing up elbows and stuff. I mean, with the new scoring criteria, you could have given Yan Shannon that first round, honestly. And some people did. Not in the judges, but some people did. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think Yan Shannon is a way better striker. and Just an overall better fighter. She has a great jab. I mean, great jab and straight, right? She has really quick hands. I mean, she's almost a clone of Zhang Wei Li in some ways, just in the way they strike. They both use, they're both, I mean, really tough, good strikers, but Wei Li is much bigger and more physical. Like, Wei Li obviously cuts quite a bit to get to 115, whereas Yan Shenan probably doesn't cut hardly any, maybe five pounds. Um, yeah, yeah, so, and she, she, they both use those sidekicks. Uh, Yansunan doesn't use the yeah. same amount of leg kicks as Zhang Wei Li. And she's not as powerful. Cause she, she's not a finisher. She's going out there and dominating decisions or not, it's not dominating cause she's losing around it. Sometimes she's getting clear decisions. I mean, her last three all decisions, but over Gadalia, Kovalkiewicz, and Angela Hill, good wins before her first two UFC fights, which were also unanimous right. decision wins over lesser competition. I think, right, but I think the Angela Hill win is, uh, it's pretty descriptive because that's, um, Angela Hill's like the dirty kinda, um, you know what I mean, clinch, uh, you know, type fighter, uh, yeah. you know, uh, Yan Yan is a, she's a striker and she's very good at it. I think uh, China's producing some of the best uh, women's MMA yeah. strikers out here right now. But the Angela Hill win is the one that really shows it for me. And it's worth mentioning, you know, she's got the win over Gedalia. And uh, Asparza lost to Gedalia. When was it? Um, no, good, no, Asparza won that fight. She lost on the score. She lost technically, but she won that fight. Yeah, it was a split decision. Yeah, it was a split decision. But most... Everyone recognizes she won that fight. It was bad judging, as is often <laughs> common these days. Right. Who? I mean, but, yeah. I, no, I don't necessarily disagree, but the record is the record. Yeah. Um. But yeah. I mean, even the MMA math doesn't work like that. Like Gadelia is the same as Esparza in a lot of ways. She's probably a better striker, but not as good of a wrestler. 
But she tried, Gedalia tried to wrestle Yancheron and she did it, she was able to do it too easily. Yancheron got a bit, she usually doesn't, so it was surprising, but she got overextended on her combinations and got taken down and then was held in the clinch for way too long. She wasn't, you know, digging for underhooks the way I would want her to and really fighting. She's just trying to brute force her way out of that, which she's not a big strawweight, like I said. So she can't necessarily do that. If she stays composed, you know, like, she can tune up Carla Esparza on the feet all day. She's so, so far beyond her in striking, of course. But Carla Esparza, like, if this was still the opening odds, minus 195, Carla Esparza plus 175, I would have been on Carla Esparza because of the chances that she can just wrestle fuck her to a decision. Oh, yeah, she opened it plus 160. That might have been a good yeah. bet there. Yeah, I, I mean, I hope that doesn't happen. I like Yan Xiaonan. She's Me great too. striker. Good job. I mean, she's just a good kickboxer. She uses head movement, which we've seen some of these Chinese fighters, including Zhang Weili, not do. Um, so I think she has a lot, I think she could be, if she wins this fight, she should be the next title challenger or Rose's first defense of her new reign. Um, that'd be a really fun fight. I think Rose would win, but it'd be a fun fight. But yeah, I, I wanted to bet her, especially at these odds, but I just couldn't because of how easily Gadelia took her down in the first round in that last fight. Gadelia just couldn't handle the pace though and wasn't able to do much of anything in the second. Uh, not second. Right. And, sorry, in the second and third rounds. Worth, so, yeah. no, worth noting because I, I said earlier about the goofy nicknames on this card. Asparza's nickname is the Cookie Monster. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, Oh yeah. Um, right, so th- this is one, the, one. This is one, this card is full of fights we want to see but aren't prepared to bet on because yeah, I'm, I'm exactly. excited for this fight as well. Oh, I'm excited for this fight if it's not Carla if Carla loses because I don't want to see her wrestle fuck Yan Shannon to a victory. Um, but it's also worth noting. I mean, you guys should just go check out numbers of a man on Twitter, but he posted about how Yan Shannon has like the highest average strikes per fight landed per fight um of anyone but Joanna I think it was or no anyone but Joanna and Sabine Mazo in UFC women's history um which at like 95 strikes per fight for anyone over 5 right. with 5 plus fights I think that's the stat you just go check his page out she, and, she's a good volume striker and if you're listening to this podcast you'll see numbers MMA's Twitter handle in our descriptions uh, we're not necessarily associated with him but we love his stats so that's why we post them because yeah. we think anyone who enjoys the sport would enjoy what he's doing yeah no we've shouted him out several times but no one does stats like he does I mean hardly anyone does stats in MMA to a, like in a serious way so on to the main event, which is the real. This is this is the best fight on the card. Obviously, it's the main event. It should be, but it's a really really good one. I mean, bantamweight, best division in the UFC right now. Rob Font, one of the most technical boxers in the UFC. Cody Garbrandt, one of the most athletic strikers in the UFC, but obviously falls victim to emotion and yes. just craziness at times. I'm I'm he, hoping I'm hoping maturity has gotten to him some and he's yeah. slowed down from being a crazy kid. Yeah, so he I mean he looked better in his last fight, not perfect. He still had his main thing isn't even his emotion, though that's a big one. It's his defensive irresponsibility. When he throws strikes, his hands leave his face. You can see it time and time again. He throws that big overhand right, which 
he knocks so he's knocked down eighty percent of his opponents in the UFC, the highest ever, higher than Nunganu, higher than Rumble, higher than Connor like higher than anyone in the UFC history. Um eight out of ten of his opponents, including like he knocked down Dillashaw in the fair first fight. It, it, like that was a close fight. I think people think that Dillashaw don't remember that fight correctly. They think that he just went crazy with the motion, but he won that first round against Dillashaw pretty yeah. cleanly. He looked great and then he got caught, and then the second fight was really when the emotion took over. Anyway, I feel yeah, like I mean, for a bantamweight, for a bantamweight to have the most highest percentage of knockdowns in UFC history is amazing. Uh, yeah, is is crazy. I mean, his athleticism is just off the charts. And as far as what you said about his maturity, I love that he's training with Mark Henry. I mean, Team Alpha Male is great, but he can't get that kind of striking education over there that he can with Mark Henry and he did show improvements like he was kicking the leg a lot more he was doing a lot he was using his jab, he has a good jab he just wouldn't use it before and he was doing things, not necessarily things that he did in the Dominic Cruz fight because it was a completely different fight against the Sun Sao but he was doing things that looked like the old Cody Garbrandt but even more like a calmer Cody Garbrandt. Little Cody Garbrandt was still crazy, but he was crazy in a fun way. And yeah, I mean, he's, even when he lost, he was crazy in a fun way. But he was losing. Yeah. Um, That's, that um, I just want to mention because you said he's training with Mark Henry now, and that was the whole thing. Uh, his beef with T.J. Dillashaw when Dillashaw left Alpha Male and went to uh, what was it? Elevation when it was formed. It, it, was it elevation? I thought it was their own. Yeah, alright. Yeah, it was elevation, and, uh, the, the striking coach went with them. Yeah, know? Dwayne Ludwig. Right, Ludwig, who, who, who was doing great things at Alpha Male, because, yeah, because they're, they're a wrestling gym, you know what I mean? Yeah. And they finally had a good striking coach, and that's where that beef hole, holy first started I mean, between the two, and I think those two losses to Dillashaw really matured Garbrandt. I really do. Well, I think they have with time, but at the time, I, I don't think, like, I think against Pedro Munoz, he was still in that Dillashaw fight, and that's why he, that's part of why he went so crazy when they butted heads, literally. Yeah. He, he, like, but now he, I hope and think that over time he will mature. It's just, it's not even about the emotion and maturity for me. It's about the defensive irresponsibility, because yeah. you see it in every, like, even in the Sun South fight, when he th- throws that awesome knockout at the buzzer, his left hand weaves his head completely unprotected while he throws that overhand right and knocks him out. And that's what's getting him hurt and knocked out in these fights. I mean, his chin is, isn't great, but it's not as terrible as people say. It's just he's not defensively responsible, especially when he's on the offense and he's almost always on the offense. That's right. But in that, in that Dominic Cruz fight, he captured lightning on the, in the lightning in a bottle because he was able to combine defense and offense so well. His footwork, Head movement, that was, that was like, that's like a Max Holloway, Calvin Cater fight thing. I mean, Cruz did better than Cater did in that fight and with Holloway, but like, that was one of the most, whoa, like, that's, that's just crazy performances in UFC history, especially because it happened to Dominic Cruz, the master of footwork. That's where I think, uh, where, um, the maturity that I'm talking about and the defensive skills you're talking about come together is because he was a, Growing up a 19, 20, 21, 23, whatever kid just, you know what I mean? Winning every fight he ever got in, knocking yeah. motherfuckers out, you know? Yeah. And, uh, 
he's he's learned that yeah you got power you got speed you got some technique but you're missing some stuff and you're not fighting cans anymore you gotta yeah you know everyone's good here dude everyone yeah so i okay so i agree but i have to say the words Cody Garbrandt and maturity are really funny to put together because like, I know I know that's sees, why I... is anyone he sees him like in his person like videos he posts he's always like hanging with the boys I mean he's one of the <laughs> mo- biggest meatheads ever but I do think like I do think he's coming back from that period where he was just angry at TJ Dillashaw and it made him so reckless and crazy I, I think mm-hmm. like I mean just the fact that he's gone to search out a new camp where he can get better striking education it, it is a good sign on its own and Mark Henry I think is doing good things with him we saw some improvements against the Sun Sao I hope we see more against Rob Font so but we got to talk about Rob Font because he's he's one of the most technical boxers in MMA he has one of the best jabs MMA in MMA I mean Oh, actually, sorry, but I meant to say about Cody when you said he was beating everyone. He really was. He was 32 and 1 as an amateur boxer and 11 and 0 as a professional in MMA right. before that. Exactly. Dilchoff fight. Um, but yeah, Font is just a really technical boxer and I think he might be, like, this is the hardest fight he's ever fought. I mean, the best fight he's ever fought. He's fought Pedro Munoz, Thomas Almeida, Rafael Asuncao, Ricky Simone, Sergio Pettis, and Marlon Moraes, like at the end of Moraes' career, obviously last year, which is, it was a yeah, bad fight for Marlon uh, to take, only two months Schnell after too, he which, got uh, knocked out by, after he got knocked out with that spinning heel kick from Corey Sandhagen, like, he shouldn't have taken that fight, so that, I can't consider that a great win. Moraes is the best name he has, but Cody Garbrandt is gonna be the hardest fight he's ever fought. He uh, but he's got a loss to there. Lineker, but um, it, it was a decision loss, and Lineker has heat. You know what I mean? That guy throws yeah. punches. Yeah, I mean Rob Font definitely has a chin on him, uh, but just so it's technicality versus athleticism. Cody Gar- Garbrandt is incredibly athletic. He's one of the most athletic guys in the UFC because he holds that. Spe- I mean, he's one of the fastest guys in the UFC in terms of hand speed and footwork and. Head movement when he's using it. Obviously, we saw that in the Cruz fight, and he's one of the most powerful bantam weights there is. I mean, there's a lot of bantam weights you can hit hard now. It's weird, almost like other than Aljamain Sterling, everyone in that top echelon can really hit you. Rob Font, Cody Garbrandt, uh, Corey Sandhagen, TJ Dillashaw, Piotr Jan. Those guys can hit. So it's weird to have bantam weights hitting super, super hard like this, but. I mean, Cody, obviously, pointed out, I pointed out the 80% of his opponents, he's knocked down. Really good stat. Yeah, that's a crazy stat. But just, yeah, so it's technicality versus athleticism here. And at first, I was like, oh, well, opened with Rob Font plus 105. And I was like, ooh, Rob Font at plus money? I love that. But the more I thought about it and the more I watched, I was like, Cody Garbrandt, if he can recapture what he was in 2016 when he beat Cruz and Mizugaki and Almeida, uh, and Mendez four fights in a row, which that was only two fights into his UFC career. I mean, he was seven to zero when he fought Mendez, ten to zero when he fought Dominic Cruz, the best bantamweight of our all time, probably. So, and now he, he, I think he is growing and maturing as a striker. 
it's just we don't know. I, I, it's hard to train yourself to be defensively responsible. I mean, his natural tendency is for his hand to leave his face and throw that big overhand right. Yeah. It, it just is. That's how it is. And that overhand right is a cleaner. But Rob Font is the type of technical boxer who can slip it and chin him perfectly. So this is just – this is a, such a 50-50 fight. It's now moved to where Cody is an underdog at plus 100 or thereabouts. Yeah, well, some places. I got him at, but online uh, plus one hundred one. I got him at minus one hundred five on five times right now. But he started out mm-hmm. as minus one forty. Yeah, yeah. Wow, my name is that was yeah that was back in my I saw first saw him at minus one twenty, uh, like two three weeks ago. So I was like about to bet on font at minus one twenty at minus one forty with that would have had font at minus at plus one twenty. I would have been on font probably. Because I think this is 50-50, maybe 51-49 for Cody. Like, I bank on that athleticism because I, I, I think, Font, like I said, his opponents are good, but he hasn't fought a Cody Garbrandt yet. Pedro Munoz is probably the best person he's fought and he lost. Um, I mean, Sun Sao, Sun Sao was good in 2018 still, so yeah. that, that's a pretty good fight, but he lost that too. Beat the current Bellator bantamweight champion Sergio Pettis, but... Pettis couldn't hang in the UFC, yeah, honestly, but, although he, he fought really, Pettis fought really good people, but we're getting off topic a bit. I'm getting off topic a bit. Well, um, it's kind of so interesting with, um, when you look at his record, uh, Asensio is good, he lost that one. Munoz is good, he lost that one. Lineker is good, he lost that one. You know what yeah. I mean? And otherwise, you know, he's beaten some alright people, but th- when you look at his, uh, his fight log, uh, the names that stick out, he's lost all those guys. Yeah, I mean, other than Marias, but like I said, that wasn't... Marias is at the end of his career, and he took that fight two months after a brutal knockout. It was a bad bad decision to take it. Though, I mean, I can't take anything away from Rob Font. Like that, He, he fought really well. And like I said, he's such a technical boxer. His jab... I, I I probably didn't emphasize it enough, but his jab is so great, and he has a big reach advantage here. He has like a six inch reach advantage on Cody, sixty six yeah. or sixty five versus seventy one inch yeah, reach advantage. I, I that jab will be big. He pumps huge. it out there really well, uses it to build everything off of. I mean, he was started out as a boxing fan before he even knew what MMA was. I didn't have um, the stats for the reach up, but I know he's taller than Cody. Yeah, he's he's like yeah. an inch taller. I didn't know what the reach was. Yeah, but the reach, just Cody actually has a shorter reach than he does height, which is, I mean, unusual for guys in MMA. Usually, you guys have a longer reach, but some people, uh, yeah, can make it that way, and Cody can on his natural athleticism. Yeah. It's just, yeah, Rob Font, I mean, he can control, the thing is, with Cody, you've got to control the distance. You can't let him do to you what he did to Dominic Cruz, where he was in and out when he wanted to be. You know, you got to get into his face when you want to get into his face and keep your distance when you want to keep your distance. Like, yeah, you controlling distance is the most important thing as Cody, other than finding his chin when his hand drops when he's throwing big strikes. Um, and Rob Font can do that, but Cody can make improvements and he's more athletic. He has a higher ceiling than Rob Font if we're just talking about, like, how good they could be. Like, if they're on their best fight, Cody's... M- a significant amount better than Rob Font. It's just Cody hasn't been his best for a while. Um, yeah. I, 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 one last thing just uh, that is for advantage to Cody. Rob Font is heavy on that lead leg, and Cody is pretty good 
with leg yeah, kicks. Yeah, he's pretty good with yeah, the leg kicks. That's yeah, a, that last that's play, alpha male team thing. Lot. That's the alpha male team thing that he learned there. I mean, uh, Faber was good with leg kicks. Uh, Benavidez is good with leg kicks. You know, all those guys. Uh, yeah. Uh, what's the dude? I, his name's slipping me now. Uh, Chad Mendez. He was good with leg kicks. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Chad was great. Um. But, yeah. All right. So uh, that wraps us up. I mean, sorry. No bets on uh, part two. Just breaking down some fights, talking yeah. about them. But Refer we, to part one. But Spencer we, two units and Dvorak one unit. The Spencer line has moved. We got it at minus 140. It's now minus 175-ish. But we um, still we still got two segments. Yeah, yeah. So no, we're not I mean, we're not we're not we're not putting out any money, but these segments. One of them is don't be a pussy parlay. So you just call it. These are yeah. what we're calling our shots on, and we got to walk the dog. So walk okay. the dog first, Val. All right. So I mean, if I'm taking a dog on this card, uh, it, it probably. Uh, I mean, I don't, I could go just say Claudio Silva, but he's, like, he's a minus money dog. It's almost evens. So I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go Yancey Medeiros. I, 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 yeah, I, I mean, I could still be convinced to bet that one of the line moves more. So yeah, Yancey Medeiros, my walk on the dog, but nothing on it officially yet. Uh, that's my pick too, because those numbers change. You know what I mean? He went yeah, to be in the, like the dog. Yeah, I like the line movement. Right. So that's my, that's my walk on the dog there. And don't be a pussy. What's your parlay? All right. All right. Um, I'm gonna go Felicia Spencer, of course. Uh, Dave Dvorak, of course. Uh, Ben Rothwell. Uh, I don't want to put Demir's Magulov in there just because he's like minus six hundred. Um. Uh. So what? What that? Uh, yeah. Yan Xiaonan and. Claudio Silva. Um, That's my don't be a pussy parlay. Five legged. God, I hate if I do the same thing as you, but that's exactly what I would really pick. I think those are going to be five winners. Spencer, Dvorak, uh, Rothwell, Silva, and uh, what was the other one? Uh, I said Aljo. Yeah. I I think that's... Yeah, I don't no, know. no, no, I didn't say that. I, I no. said, yeah, no, wait, yeah, we said Xiaonan. Yeah, yeah. Xiaonan. Yeah, All right. I think those are the ones. All right, um, we're, uh, right, sorry um, we can't offer any betting information on this card, but we're trying to be responsible with our money and your money. Yeah. But if these, I, it's, it's better to hold off of a bet that it's then forcing it. I mean, like, it, not forcing a losing play is just as good as making a winning play at the end of the day because you're not losing money right. um, that you would have lost. And if we see, if we do see the ads move and when the prop bets get solidified, I feel like this is one we might end up doing a part three tomorrow just yeah, if it, some it stuff be. opens up. Yeah, I mean, and it, if it's, I, I might put some information out on the Twitter, so follow the Twitter. At Sig Strike Pod, S I G S T R I K E P O D, and uh, our buddy Numbers MMA and uh, T Philly though, 
Our buddy you from the SoFi headquarters. Yeah, at SoFi, at SPOFI. Check him out and jump in the Discord if you want to see. We post our podcast there every week and talk a little bit about UFC on Fight Night. So and, check him out. And if, uh, about that Discord as well, if you're into other sports, there's uh, some very knowledgeable people about all kinds of sports in there. So you can check out all the different channels and uh, see what people are talking about. Oh, one last thing. We also do a ESPN Pick'em. ESPN runs a free Pick'em for every UFC card. We do an ESPN Pick'em in that, in that server. Uh, Soft is the rating champ. You went, what did you go? What did you go last week? I went like 10 and 4. And, 10, 10 and, and 4. 4. Okay, yeah, yeah, it's pretty good on a card that I got. Like, I went like 7 and 7 or 8 and 6 or something. As far as, cause, yeah, just, just, yeah. So 